When was the last time you saw a pigeon? Chances are, it was earlier this day. Common city pigeons are so prevalent that they've become pests. Rats with wings, people tend to call them. But what if I told you that without the humble pigeon, society as we know it today might not exist? Come with me, as I impart the incredible tale of these surprisingly wonderful creatures. Vincent van Gogh appropriately said, Great things are done by a series of small things coming together. I'm Aidan Maine. Welcome to Haunting Historia. Pigeon is actually quite a broad one. It encompasses roughly 250 known species of birds in the Kalimbidae family. In fact, the Kalimbidae family of birds is generally split into two separate classifications, with the larger species referred to as pigeons and the smaller birds called doves. If you want a little bit of irony, the white dove, typically used as a symbol of peace and purity, is, in reality, a white domestic pigeon. Many of the domestic and feral pigeons we see today can likely trace their ancestry back to one particular bird, Columba livia, or the rock dove. This is evident by their soft gray feathers, stout body, tall neck, and iridescent coloring along their upper body. For thousands of years, this species of bird has been used for so many different aspects of human life that it's almost as if we developed right alongside each other. It's not altogether unsurprising, though, since our very presence provides an excellent place for pigeons to thrive. See, rock doves are known for nesting on cliff edges and rocky areas, hence the name. And our cement buildings especially in bigger cities where they build taller and taller structures, perfectly imitate their preferred environments. It's really only in the last 80 years, since the end of World War II, that we stopped using pigeons so prevalently, having developed more efficient technologies and methods for doing all that they could. Ever since, they have increasingly become seen as pests, to be disposed of or ignored. But if these birds are such nuisances, why did we ever domesticate them in the first place? Answering that question is harder than you might think. Some researchers have suggested that we domesticated rock doves as far back as 10,000 years ago. The first artifacts recovered depicting these pigeons came from Mesopotamia. Archaeologists found figurines, mosaics, and even coins depicting feathered friends dating back to 4500 BCE. 
These ancient companions held a number of different interesting positions within society of that time. Before the domestication and proliferation of larger, more economic animals, some varieties of pigeons were bred to be food. Many areas where the rock doves call their home were too far removed from environments fit for raising other types of animals. So, these birds served in keeping those populations fed. As domestication continued, new breeds of pigeon began to appear. Color patterns varied widely from the mostly white with black accents pied imperial pigeon to the exotically colorful wampu pigeon. This huge range of colors, patterns, and body types led to the act of pigeon collecting. Think a butterfly collector or someone playing a game of Pokemon. Eccentric individuals just had to have them all. King Faisal of Saudi Arabia was once said to have had over 150,000 of them. For a time, King Charlemagne made it the exclusive privilege of the nobility to breed pigeons. With so many different types, inevitably, people began to use them for entertainment. Pigeon races were, and in some places still are, all the rage, racing to see whose bird could reach a far-off city faster. In France, as many as 500,000 winged racers fly through the sky on a given weekend. So, if you happen to not be able to sit through Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, you might want to avoid France during those times. The job that most would be familiar with is that of messenger. Carrier pigeons were bred and trained to send letters and then return, a job they would continue to hold for thousands of years. What's rather spectacular about carriers boils down to two separate but no less fascinating characteristics of pigeons. First, pigeons possess a unique set of neurons that allow them to attune to the Earth's magnetic fields. This allows them to sense changes in intensity and polarity, which helps with directional heading and altitude. Modern scientists still haven't quite figured out what exactly about a pigeon allows their body to do this. The second feature that makes pigeons excellent messengers is that they are one of nature's few creatures, aside from humans, who practice monogamy. When a pigeon mates, they do so for life. If one of a pair dies, the surviving bird will only mate again very slowly. When a pigeon homes in to return to their coop, they typically do so to return to their mate. Side note, pigeons are also rare in that the males share the burden of incubating the eggs and caring for the squabs. The history of the carrier pigeon is a long and influential one. As I noted before, Civilization would likely look very different without them. The story of Noah and his ark has him using pigeons and doves to search for land after the Great Flood, widely considered by some biblical scholars to be the first recorded use of a pigeon being used to receive a message. Romans used pigeons to relay messages about the markets, as well as to inform sponsors and owners of chariot racers 
of their victories and defeat. Lightweighted medicines could also be sent to out-of-the-way villages. Genghis Khan set up postal relays using pigeons to bring news to his vast empire. In the 1850s, Paul Julius Reuter used homing pigeons to bridge a large gap in the newly developed telegraph business, eventually using his profits to form the hugely successful Reuters Group Multinational Media and Financial Information Company. Likewise, the Rothschild banking empire was reportedly influenced heavily by a message from a pigeon bearing news of Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo. But there is one story from near the end of the pigeon's illustrious career that is particularly worth mentioning. A tale of bravery and sacrifice from both humans and birds alike. A story so empowering that when the hero pigeon in question died, they preserved its body so that it could be put on display in the greatest museum on the planet, the Smithsonian. Stick around after the break to hear all about it. This episode of Haunting Historia was written and produced by me, Aidan Main, with music by John Bjork. There are so many misconceptions about pigeons that I could honestly make two episodes discussing their history and importance, such as how they are believed to be disease spreaders, but in actuality, the only way they could be harmful to humans would be if their droppings fell directly into someone's mouth or eyes, or how said droppings were highly sought after as fertilizer. That's why this podcast exists, to tell the stories about the world around us and our shared past. If you want to join the community, meet me on Twitter at hhistoriapod. I also have a Patreon where you can donate to help support the show. And as always, if you have a story you'd like told, reach out via email at stories at hauntinghistoria.com or through the contact form on hauntinghistoria.com. In October of 1918, World War I was drawing to a close. But conflict still raged in France, right up until the armistice in November. The bloodiest of which was the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, which was still going until the combatants received the word that the armistice had been signed. Groups on all sides lost men. No one felt like they were prepared enough. None more so, perhaps, than Major Charles W. Whittlesey and his 77th Division, a group of roughly 554 men. They were supposed to have 800. But despite being seriously undersupplied and supported, the 77th resolved to continue on with their part of the attack. They pushed out through the forest. Unfortunately, 
the battalions that were supposed to be supporting their left and their right flanks got stalled, and Major Whittlesey found himself and his men surrounded on all sides by German forces. Every runner they sent out either got lost or gunned down. Then their luck truly ran out. American command lost track of where Whittlesey and his battalion went. They began firing artillery on what they thought was a group of Germans pinned down. The 77th were being fired upon by their own army. The battalion, like a lot of groups in World War I, had a flock of carrier pigeons for emergencies. Major Whittlesey quickly wrote out a message advising his superiors they were attacking the wrong group. The Germans shot it down. Again, the Major tried to send a bird. Again, never made it past the Germans. Desperate, they grabbed a bird that the Pigeonier had nicknamed Cher Ami, French for dear friend. After releasing him, Cher Ami flew to a tree and sat on a branch for a moment. Whittlesey and the Pigeonier urgently shooed him, and he finally flew for his coup. Twenty-five minutes later, the artillery shelling stopped. A rescue mission ensued, pushing the Germans back just enough for the 77th Division to make it to safety. Cherami had delivered his message and saved his comrades, having been shot multiple times. He arrived with a wound in his chest, partially blinded, and with the leg holding the message dangling by a single tendon. The 77th, thereafter referred to as the Lost Battalion, spared no effort in caring for him. Cherami received the best medical attention a bird could ask for, even getting a tiny wooden leg for the one he lost. Incredibly, he lived another year after the battle, dying June 13, 1919. His body was donated to the Smithsonian, where his story could be shared for decades to come. Oh, and the message he delivered? It read, We are along the road parallel to 276.4. Our own artillery is dropping a barrage directly on us. For heaven's sake, stop it. If you enjoyed this episode of Haunting Historia, then consider leaving a like or a comment. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey into the history and importance of the humble pigeon. It is my genuine pleasure to bring these little-known stories to light. I would like to apologize to long-time listeners for the time it's taken me to upload a new episode. Due to the complexity of my life and the time it takes to produce quality content, I will not be able to release new stories regularly for the foreseeable future. To followers of Haunting Historia, thank you so much for your patience and continued enjoyment of the show. To any new listeners, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. If you want to stay up to date whenever I am capable of producing new content, I recommend subscribing to the show and following the H Historia Pod Twitter account so you don't miss out on all the amazing tales of bravery, creativity, and inspiration yet to come.
It does not matter how slowly you go, so long as you do not stop. Confucius. Confucius.